Hey guys, this is Naeem and you've reached the Mosaic Church Podcast. So excited that you're part of our listening community and I'd love for you to be even more connected. So check out our website. There's more content there and there's more opportunities for you to get connected in our ministries and events as well. Also, love for you to share this content. If this is blessed to you, I know that God wants to use you to bless other people with it. So share this podcast, if you will. Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you and enjoy. Good morning, Mosaic. How's everybody doing this morning? Awesome. Y'all are lively. I love it. It makes me so excited to be able to hear you guys worshiping and shouting out and calling out, and it's my favorite thing. So we are very much a relational uh, church. This is a place where you don't have to just sit back and sit quietly and take notes. You are allowed to engage. You are allowed to holler back at me up here if you would like. It's totally fine. Pastor Naeem is at U City this week. He is at a church um, just right up the road that we kind of partner with. They actually launched out of our space uh, a couple years ago, I guess. And so that's where he is. He will be back for Essentials today. But like he mentioned, for the next two weeks, we are going to be doing something with our campaign called The Expanse. And so if you haven't heard about this, we are trying to raise $500,000 in one year to not only build that warehouse space that he was in into a gymnasium, but we also want to purchase this space that's right here behind us. Maybe when you drove up, you saw Bounce You signs or signs for like 17 other churches that meet in the parking lot right here. So our goal is to eventually have this entire building and be able to expand this out for greater ministry space, greater use space for people in our community, in our city. So yes, we would love for you to come for the next two weeks, write your prayers. Like it's so cool, you guys, to walk around and be able to see, you know, underneath this paint, just handwriting and prayers and verses and scripture. And so we would love for you to do that, but we would also love for you to give to the campaign financially. If you have not done that yet, we are only at about 35% of what we need pledge-wise. So you can give your pledges today. There's probably an expanse card in the seat back in front of you. We have QR codes that you can use, and it's also on our website. We're trying to make it as simple as possible for you to be able to join in and be part of what God is doing here in this building. All right, so... I am Kristen. I don't think I introduced myself. I'm one of the teaching pastors here as well. And we are starting a new series today called Tell the Story. Tell the Story. I love stories. I am a story person. Some of you, when you hear my name and stories, you automatically think of Instagram because that is where I live. I live in my Instagram stories. I've been told before, actually, they're like, do you know how many lines are up there? But I just have to like skip past you. It's too much. I love stories. But I've been told that I'm not a good storyteller. Anybody? not a good storyteller. I have been told that I get too excited and the more I care about a story, actually the worse it comes out, okay? I can't help it. I have so many emotions and I just want you to know all of the things that by the end of my story, you're like, I don't actually know what the point is, but you're gonna be excited about it. You're gonna know, right? Some of you are really good storytellers. People like me, we might think you take too long. We might think it's a little bit boring. I don't know, I'm just saying, but you are going to get every single detail, right? 
So for those of you that might be like me, maybe you're not the best storyteller, it can leave us feeling insecure. When we see things like this, like tell your story, or you meet somebody and you're in conversation and they're like, so, you know that inevitable moment? So, what's your story? I hate that question, because <laughs> I never know what to say, right? I'm like, all right, well, do I do my like Wikipedia bio? I'm like, I grew up in the Midwest, and then I moved to Charlotte in 2004 to teach kindergarten. I met my husband, and now I'm married to Peter. He's this very generous, gracious guy, and we have two little girls, Marley and Margot. Like, that's where I go sometimes. Or depending on who I'm talking to, I may lean more on my status, on the things that I've done. Well, I'm a teaching pastor at Mosaic. I speak at conferences. I host a podcast called Becoming Church. You should look it up. It's good. I, I, I write. I write curriculum. I write content. I write blogs. Like, we end up telling the details that we think are the most important in our story. And so if you're not sure how you would answer that question, pay attention the next time and see what it is that you actually say. See what it is that actually comes out of your mouth or what comes to mind. Because that is probably, at least in that moment, what you have decided is the most important detail of your story. Now, for a long time, I thought that I did not have any important details in my story. I thought that my life was very boring, and there was nothing about my life that was going to help anybody, especially when it came to my spiritual story. I was born basically right into a church pew, and I've been there my whole entire life. So I'm like, there is nothing that I can help anybody with. There is nothing that I can say to convince people about how Jesus changed my life because my story is just boring and basic. And that is the way that I explained my spiritual story for a long time. Until I was in a conversation with somebody and I heard her say the words, yeah, me too. That's my story too. That's my story too. I thought I was the only one. And in that moment, I realized that because I shared what I thought was not deemed worthy enough to share, I gave somebody else freedom to see God moving in their own story. I gave somebody else permission to go, oh, I was also discounting my story. But if you can share yours, if that's yours, then I can share mine too. And this one little conversation, this one little me too moment of a shared experience has actually blossomed into the sweetest of friendships where this person and I talk all the time about the things that we're learning about God and the things that he is revealing to us and the different ways of like what we thought we knew growing up and what we thought we knew now. And it all was born out of one moment of saying, here's my really boring, in my words, story let me share it with you. See, we don't have to compare our stories to other people's, but that's exactly what I was doing. Your story, when we say tell the story, your story is not who you are or what you've done. It's not about where you've been. It's not about what's been done to you even. But your spiritual story is about what God has done in your life and what God is doing in your life. So when we ask you to tell your story, ask yourself that. What is God doing? What is that thing that you have deemed unworthy of sharing? And could it just be that that is the thing that someone else needs so that they can have freedom and permission to see God in their story? We're going to go back to Easter this morning, actually, because we're going to talk about Mary Magdalene's story. This is a story that I love in the Bible, and I think she often gets skipped over at Easter. It's like Mary was there and kind of this, but it's really important that we understand the timeline 
here. So what actually happens in John is that Mary goes to the tomb. She goes to the tomb and she sees that it's empty and she assumes that someone has removed Jesus's body. There is no part of her mind that is like, he is resurrected, he is alive. They did not understand that even though he told them that's what he was gonna do. So she runs and tells Peter and John and she's like, hey, somebody move the body. They come to the tomb to confirm what she said to see if what she was saying was actually true. So they get there, they see that it's empty, they do not see Jesus, and then they go back to where all of the other disciples are. It's at this point that Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene, and we'll pick it up right here. <clears throat> now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus's body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and what? Saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Jesus is standing right in front of Mary. She is standing right in front of him. The exact thing that she is looking for, he is standing right there, yet she did not see him because she thought he was someone else. How many times have we looked at God in our own stories and attributed it to something else? How many times have we looked at God moving in our lives and called it something else? Karma, coincidence, luck, maybe the result of our own doing. How many times have we cried out to God, God, if only you cared enough to show up, if only you cared enough to be here right in front of me, if only you cared enough to help, if only you cared enough that you would be here and I could feel your presence. And God is like, I am right in front of you. I have been here the whole entire time. God has been with you every season of your life and at every stage. And I know you might be like, listen, ma'am, you don't know me or my life. You don't know my life and you don't know the things that I've been through. And you're right. But let me just ask you this. If you were in a rough season, maybe because you yourself were making poor choices or things that were bad were being done to you, how was God protecting you in that season? If you were in a dysfunctional home or a dysfunctional family, maybe you found yourself in toxic relationships. How did he meet you there in the midst of maybe a relationship that you couldn't get out of? If you felt caged in or controlled, maybe you lived under a set of rules or even expectations that you couldn't live up to. How did God help you find freedom from those things. Maybe you turned away from God. You turned your back and you ran away for a season. How was he patient with you in waiting for you to put your eyes back on him? If you've been isolated, alone, overlooked, felt forgotten, how has God shown his love for you in those moments? Could it be that he was actually present, but like Mary, you were unable to see him right there because you thought you were looking at something else. Are your eyes open? Are our, our eyes open 
to seeing God in our stories in a way that is not what we expected. All Mary could see was the cross. All she could see in the empty tomb was death. She had no idea that what she was actually looking at was life because it's not what she expected to see. So as he does with us, Mary, uh, Jesus met Mary right there where she was, and he answers her. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. So Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Notice how the message has changed. Not from the body is missing, someone has moved him, to I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. Now, Jesus says two things to Mary here. And the first one, when I read it and I picture myself as Mary, it, it shocks me a little bit. He says, do not hold on to me. Do not hold on to me. Now, I think there's a literal sense to this, right? It was probably something about the state that his body was in. It said that he had not yet ascended. And we don't fully understand and can't comprehend what that means. We don't know what Jesus looked like standing there. I picture him like Elsa from Frozen. You know how like she had to wear the gloves, right? Come on, Frozen, Frozen 2 fans, where are you at? I will live and die by this movie. I love it so much. Okay, so Elsa had to wear the gloves because if she didn't, what happened? The power would go out from her and she would freeze people, right? So this is what I think Jesus is saying. He's like, listen, I don't want to freeze you. Some power is going to go out of me. There is some kind of supernatural thing happening to me right here. Don't touch me. So I think that's the literal part of it. But I love to imagine what people were thinking when I read Bible stories. This is actually my favorite thing to do is to get kind of in the heads of the people and go, what were they feeling? What were they thinking? What were they imagining? So let me be clear. This is my own interpretation here, okay? But if I was Mary and Jesus said to me, do not hold on to me, I would go, I'm, I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? The last time I saw you, you were being killed. I watched you take your last breath. I watched your body come down. And then when I came to get it, it was gone. And now you're here, somehow, I don't understand. Now you're back and you're saying, do not hold on to me? I'm never letting go of you again in my entire life. Right? I would be clinging to Jesus so hard because guess what? She doesn't know what's gonna happen next. She's like, you want me to go and tell? Are you, do you promise to stay here? Are you, like, are you gonna go somewhere? What if you tell me to go and tell and then I never see you ever again? These are the things that I would be thinking if I was Mary in this situation. Jesus was the closest she had ever been to the presence of God. Jesus was the closest she had ever been. Before meeting her, she was a woman who had seven demons exercised out of her. Seven demons. And then after meeting Jesus, she became one of his closest, most devout followers. I can only imagine that she was like, if I let go of him, 
I am losing this spiritual, supernatural presence from my life. This presence that has literally changed my life. This God that has changed everything that I knew about myself, about the world, about God, and he's going to leave, and I'm never going to have that again. And I just wonder if maybe Jesus was telling her, you don't have to hold on to what you think you know. You don't have to hold on to what you think you know about God. You don't have to hold on to everything that you've been told because everything is changing. God's presence is changing. God's presence is no longer contained only in the temple. God's presence is no longer contained only in the body of Jesus. And if you can let go, Mary, if you can let go of this God that you think you know, I wonder if you can find something that is bigger and more powerful and more unbelievable than you have ever imagined. That's what Jesus did with his reappearance. He changed the story of who God is. And so I wonder for us, what God are we holding on to? What God are you holding on to? Jesus, uh, Mary was holding on to like a three-day-ago Jesus, and in three days, a lot had changed. I think some of us are holding on to a God from three years ago. I think a lot of us are holding on to a God of our childhood. I think a lot of us are holding on to a God that we know how to hold on to because we can contain him, and we can understand him, and we can explain him. And so it's easier for us to hold on to this simple sweet little version of God that we can understand and explain and tell people. But if you could let go of who you think God is, of what you've been told, of what you've contained him in, I just wonder if you would find a bigger God who wants to do more in and through your life than you can ever imagine. So Jesus tells her, he says, go and tell. Like, go and tell what, right? That's the question. Go and tell. Go and tell your experience. Go and tell about this conversation. Go and tell your story. And Mary understood what a big ask this was. In both Jewish and Roman law at the time, the testimony of a female meant nothing. It had no value. It had no merit. They were essentially taught to, like, disbelieve the women, in a sense. So she understood this. And so when, again, me imagining Mary, right? When he was like, go and tell, I would have been like, to who? Actually, <laughs> to who? I have no authority. I have no voice. The only people that follow me on Instagram are you and all the other Marys. That's it. <laughs> no one's listening to me. Who do you want me to go tell this story to? They're not going to believe me. But Jesus also understood what he was asking of her. Jesus knew that if Mary was the first person that he appeared to, Mary would forever be the first person that Jesus appeared to. Mary would forever be the first one that he trusted with this part of his story. He didn't say, go and get the guys so they can come here and witness this. He didn't say, hey, we need a male here to corroborate our story. He said, Mary, after the two disciples race each other, literally race back to where everybody else is, I'm going to show up to you because I trust you. And I'm going to put my power and my confidence and my faith in your story. 
Jesus had changed Mary's story before. She went from being the demon-possessed woman to this woman who believed Jesus, and he was going to change her story again. No longer would she be known for that. No longer would she be known as the crazy, crazy demon lady. She would become the first preacher on Easter Sunday telling of Jesus' resurrection. He knew what he was doing. And Mary had a choice, right? Just like we do. When we say, tell your story, you have a choice. You have a choice of whether or not you're going to do it, what you're going to say, who you're going to say it to, how, when, there's lots of questions. But you have a choice. Am I going to try or am I going to worry instead about who will or won't listen? That was a choice that Mary had, not just because she was female, but because of who she was. Would they just think that she was demon-possessed again when she runs into town and she's like, guys, I've seen Jesus, he's back. What would they think of what she said? And I think some of you probably can relate to that because you know who you are and you know your story. And you're like, I'm not a good person. I'm not a good enough person. I do bad things. I've done bad things. I actually just keep doing things that I'm not supposed to do. I'm not a good person. No one is going to listen to me when I talk about how good God is. No one is going to listen to me. I know me. No one wants to listen to me talk about Jesus. They're not going to believe it. And you have taken yourself out of the story. You have removed yourself from the story. Because it's easier to say nothing than to go in and try wondering who is going to disqualify you if you use your voice and tell your story. So you go ahead and just disqualify yourself. See, he changed Mary's story. This is what God does when we allow him in, when we let him continue to write our story. Paul is another great example of this. Paul went from persecuting and killing Christians to going into towns to be like, hey, let me transform you into Christians. You know that the people in there were like, not this guy. You, you don't come and talk to me about this. This is a trick. As soon as I tell you I'm a Christian, you're going to take me out, right? Jesus changed who he was. Jesus changed what he was known for. And God can change you. He can change your story. He can change who you are and he can change what you're known for to other people and to that voice in your own mind. Can you imagine what Easter Sunday would be like if Mary hadn't told her story? Like, what would we actually do on Easter Sunday? Would those most miraculous moments of Jesus' resurrection, the very thing that we base pretty much our entire faith on, have been overlooked? I don't know. But what I do know is that it required Mary telling her story for people to know Jesus's. It required Mary telling her story. And because she did, there are actually four different versions of her story in the Bible. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. There are four Gospels in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they're all different secondhand accounts of Mary's story. Why? Because they weren't there. So let me just summarize for you really quickly how it goes when someone else tells Mary's story. Matthew tells the story that Jesus didn't appear to her until she was on the way to the disciples. And the message that he gave her there was very different. It was just like, hey, come tell my bros to come see me in Galilee. I'll meet them there and then they'll know. That was the message of Matthew. In Luke and Mark's version, Jesus doesn't appear to Mary at all. 
He doesn't appear to her at all. There are some angels that might show up to her or the other women. Let me get you with, hit you with two highlights. The way Luke tells it, it says, the apostles did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense, like nonsense. Again, probably because they were taught to believe that this is how we handle women's testimonies. When Mark tells it, trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. Poor little scared women. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Y'all, these are very different endings to what is supposed to be the same story, right? And one day, because I'm, I'm deep diving this personally in my own life. So one day I'm going to have time and I'm bringing it back to you. And we're going to talk about why there are so many discrepancies across the four gospels. But I'm telling you this today. And I want you to know this because if you don't tell your story, someone else will. Someone else will. Someone who was not there to experience it. Someone who was not there to see what it is that God showed to just you. That God said to just you. Someone else will tell your story. A couple weeks ago, my daughter Marley, she's nine, came home from church. And the elementary kids, if you ever have a chance to turn around during worship, turn and look. Because often they're standing up there, a whole row of them on the balcony. And she came home and she was like, Mom, something cool happened during worship today. And I was like, tell me about it. And she said, I raised my hand during worship and someone held my hand. And I was like, did you open your eyes to see who it was? She said, no, it was God. And I said, oh, tell me about that. Like, let's talk some more about this. She said, well, Mom, you know at the beginning of the year, my word for the year for their project at school in third grade was to choose a word of the year and write about it. And she wrote the, wrote the word feel because she wanted to feel what it felt like to feel God's presence. And my nine-year-old has been praying this since the beginning of the year. So in this amazing worship moment where God reached out and held her hand, she knew, she said, God answered my prayer. And now I know what it feels like. And I just want to feel that more. And so because he did that for me, I want to get baptized. And I was like, hallelujah, baby, let's go. That's the best reason I have ever heard to get baptized. So the very next Sunday, she stood with me right here on this stage and I had the microphone and I was like, okay, what's your name? Marley. Marley, why do you want to get baptized? I was so excited to hear this story again. <laughs> Are y'all laughing because you were here and you know that's not how it went down? Okay. Yep. So then she says, Marley, why do you want to get baptized? And she says, well, because my best friend has been bullying me and I want to find a way to fix it. As her mom, I literally was like, okay, next. <laughs> Because here she had this beautiful, incredible story. And then that is not what we talked about. What she said was not at all we talked about. So I was very surprised. I was just surprised, okay? So after service, you know, she went to class. Service continued on. After service, we were out in the parking lot and hugs and pictures and all the things. And her friend Jacqueline came up to her. Jacqueline and her family um, are part of Mosaic. They have been for a long time. And Jacqueline was the one person, when I asked Marley, she decided she was going to be baptized. I said, who's the one person? Is there anybody that you want to make sure is there? I'll text. I'll make sure that they know so they can be there. And she had said Jacqueline. And I said, all right. So I texted Meredith. And I was like, hey, don't know if it's possible for y'all to be here, but if you can, 
Marley's getting baptized. She has requested, y'all, I'm choking up right now. She has requested for Jacqueline to be here. So they come and meet us in the parking lot after service. Jacqueline and her mom, Meredith, and Meredith walks over and she says, you know, Jacqueline too has been dealing with some bullying and some mean girls. And so now that Marley shared her story, and now that we know this is going on, I think they can find a safe space in each other. <laughs> the conviction of the Lord was so strong in my heart right then. See, Marley knew what the most important detail of her story was. I had chosen what I thought were the most important details in Marley's story. I knew what I thought was going to make the biggest impact. But in that moment, she knew exactly what part of her story needed to be told. And her most important detail was the hurt in her heart and how God was healing it. And because she chose to share that, her version of her story, someone else said, me too, that's my story. And they had a shared experience. And now they are besties and we're doing play dates and it is my most favorite thing. And I cannot wait to watch the two of them grow up here together. I thought I knew Marley's most important details in her story and I missed it. The gospel writers thought that they knew that what the most important details were to Mary's story, and two of them wrote her straight out of her own story. Are you letting someone else tell your story for you? Are you letting someone else narrate your story for you? Maybe they're not telling it, but maybe they're narrating to you how it's supposed to go. Maybe they're telling you, no, 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 that's not what I said. No, 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 that's not what happened. No, 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 that's not how you're supposed to feel about this. No, 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 that's not really what went down. That's not how it was supposed to go. That's not what God was doing. Are you letting someone else tell you and narrate to you what are the most important details in your story and what God is doing in your life? You can trust his leading. You can trust the Holy Spirit inside of you, leading you. You don't have to worry about what the right words are when to share your story, what part of your story, story to share, who, when, how. Don't stress all of that. Just trust that God is gonna lead you, that the Holy Spirit is gonna lead you. I fully believe that on a different Sunday with different people here, Marley could have said a very different thing, but she trusted that that was a part of her story she needed to share that day and that moment. We have to own our stories. We have to see where God is still writing our stories. We have to believe that our stories are worth telling, and then we have to tell them. We have to tell our stories. That's what Jesus did. He owned who he was and what he was about, and his life told God's story. And that's only, you guys, that's only in the stories that we've actually been told. That's only in the stories that we know about. One last verse. And the end of John, he ends his whole gospel with this. He says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. But these stories were told. Why? Because people were vulnerable and honest and brave enough to tell them. And because they tell us who God is. So now we have to do our part and tell our story in God's bigger story. This, his story 
that he's still writing that we get to be included in. So maybe for you, you need to own your story. You need to look at your life a little bit differently and see maybe where God was actually present and moving and you just didn't see him. Maybe for you, you need to believe that your story has value, that your story is worth telling and stop worrying about who is or isn't going to listen and just trust that there is someone out there who needs you to be a voice of hope in their life. Maybe you need to start telling your story and stop letting someone else decide what your most important details are. Maybe for some of you, you need to invite someone else in to the story. Maybe you need to invite someone else in so that they can discover their story and that God is still writing it. Before we end, I'm gonna tell you one last story. See if I practice telling stories and I can get better at it, it's okay. One last story is that last week, I got a text from somebody who is part of Mosaic and she's been part of Mosaic for years and years and years. And she texted me apologizing. And she said, I'm so sorry that I had to run out of service. I'm so sorry that I didn't come and give you a hug. I'm so sorry that I had to go and I didn't hang around. And I'm like, I know the reason why you didn't hang around. See, she brought someone to church with her last Sunday. She brought someone to church who has been experiencing a lot of hurt and a lot of grief and going through a really insanely difficult time in her life. Someone that had not been to church because she's still trying to figure out where God is in this really hard part of her life. And so I said, you have absolutely nothing to apologize for. You were Jesus to her. You brought her back into her story. You showed her that her story is not dead and buried in a tomb. You showed her what the actual meaning of the Easter message is by bringing her back to church, bringing her back to life, a life-giving place and showing her how God is still writing her story. And she laughed, she was like, I didn't even get a snow cone. <laughs> We always do snow cones at Mosaic. And that's what I told her. I was like, you'll have another chance to do a snow cone. You sacrificed a good thing for the right thing. You sacrificed a good thing for the right thing in that moment. And that was exactly what needed to be done. You showed her that God is still present and God is still writing her story. So my question to you and what we want you to be thinking about for this entire series who are you telling your story to? And this does not mean telling your truth, okay? Telling your story is not, let me just tell my truth on Facebook. Let me just tell my truth and walk away. Let me just tell my truth by dropping a bunch of words and removing myself from it. Telling your story is about invitation. Telling your story is about inviting someone in. Who are you inviting in? Think right now about who that person is. Maybe it's a client. Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a neighbor or a friend. Maybe it's that person that you see at the gym that you don't actually know what their name is, but you've seen them enough times now that you can't ask again and so you just do like the wave and smile thing. Maybe it's that person. Maybe it's your Starbucks barista, I don't know. But what you can start doing right now is praying for that person. You can start praying for opportunities. You can start asking God to show you how to invite them into your life and then invite them in to your life.
This does not mean giving them a track, like an old evangelism tool. This does not mean you have to sit down and, you know, write out your entire story of I was this and then, no, invite them in to your life. Invite them to church. Invite them to an event. We're having a Cinco de Mayo block party on May 5th. Invite them in to that. Just invite them in so that they can see how God is working in your life, how God is still writing your story. And they will be able to see how God is also still writing theirs. You can be an important detail in someone else's story because you are brave enough to invite them into yours. Why don't you stand and we will pray together. God, I thank you for this time. God, I thank you for this morning, for this message. God, I thank you for every single person that is both here in the house, God, and also watching online or listening to this later. Lord, I pray that as your message was coming out of my mouth, God, that you were pricking their hearts and that their hearts were tender to specific things, things that they need to stop saying about themselves, things that they need to stop saying about their story. God, and maybe even to specific people that they need to invite in, that they need to show that their story is still being written. God, I pray that we would be able to let go of whatever it is that we're holding on to, whether it's a story we think we're meant to tell, a story that we think makes us sound good or look the right way. God, if we're holding on to an old version of you, Lord, not because you're changing, but because we need to. God, I pray that over the next few weeks, we would begin to see new faces of invitation, new faces, God, into this community, not for numbers and not to grow attendance, God, but because something is happening in this space and you are working in this space. And because, God, we believe that you have called us, not as pastors, not as a staff, but as a church community, God, we believe that you have called us to bring people in so that you can meet them here and transform their lives and who they thought they were and who they thought you were. God, we're so grateful and humbled to be part of your story. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more audio and video content, visit us at mosaicchurch.tv.